Jonathan Davis is back, baby. Not a major league deal, a minor league deal for Jonathan Davis, but he liked what he saw in Miami. The Marlins like what they saw in JD. What role will he play, if any, in 2024? Equally, we are approaching the ARB submission deadline approaching on Friday. Which Marlin, if any, will get a multi-year extension in advance of that deadline? This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Marlins Twitter madness is off and running also. Make sure you're voting on that one. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen. Uh, there is a YouTube channel as well, guys. Don't forget that one. Make sure you hit subscribe over on YouTube. And if you are watching, you have the rundown. You equally had the intro teaser to get you going, this is a Jonathan Davis emergency podcast, guys, talking about, A, what impact he had in 23, what impact he could have in 24. Is it just an insurance policy? Maybe. What could it mean for Josh Jr. if the Marlins are struggling to find a shortstop, which they could be? Could Josh Jism Jr. transition back into the infield and shortstop? Equally, the ARB deadline submission is approaching on Friday. Uh, and that then... Get you thinking this week about who's going to reach a deal. And what I'm particularly interested in, what we're going to talk about today is which Marlin it, well, which Marlins there could be multiple guys could enter into multi year agreements with the fish beyond just the arbitration number for 2024. Tons to get into today, guys, on Monday, the 8th of Jan. This episode, it does have a sponsor. So we're going to get the sponsor fired up. This sponsor and this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus over 50 infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use the code LOCKED ON. That is caps, all one word, LOCKED ON to get 20 bucks off your order. That is Jace Medical, J A S E for Jace and jacemedical.com. All right, guys, tons to get into. Tons to get into on this busy Monday. Uh, boy, oh boy, Twitter was set alight, alight on Sunday evening. Takes were made losing his mind about the Dolphins and their performance. The fact they didn't win the division somehow. Somehow the Dolphins didn't do it. Craig Mish was offering that, uh, you know, that shoulder to cry on. And this, this phrase will forever stick with me now. Marlins are going to drop a trade and we're going to turn that frown upside down, baby. Craig Mish, I think, was joking, sarcastic. I don't know. We'll wait to see. Maybe there's a big trade to come this week. It feels like this is a moving week, doesn't it? Like, where you're approaching this kind of arbitration submission deadline. The hearings themselves won't be this week, by the way. But if they don't reach an agreement, the number is submitted on Friday or by Friday. So both parties will submit their numbers. And uh, it will be held before a panel in the... Weeks after that, at a time to be determined, depending on the player. So it feels like this could be moving week, where all of a sudden, maybe 
things break down with players, conversations, extension talks, and maybe clubs think, actually, ooh, maybe we need to move on. Maybe we need to find a different approach. So I'm really interested. Craig throwing it out there, the teaser. The Marlins could drop a trade. That <laughs> brown upside down. I'm trying to think which specific player could be traded away from the Marlins that would turn the frown upside down for Kenny. Uh, I assume it would be Avicel Garcia. <laughs> that would be my number one suggestion, irrespective of what comes back. If Avicel Garcia is moved, I feel like Kenny's frown would be turned upside down. Let me know where your head's on that one, guys. Was Craig Mish... Was it real? Is it real? I don't know. I don't know. We'll work it out. I haven't texted him to see uh, whether it was real. I felt like it's funnier just to do it without knowledge, <laughs> which is how we do this podcast in the main. Uh, anyway, uh, of course, just a fan with a podcast, not a journalist. Um, guys, the big news, though, from today, the Marlins have got Jonathan Davis back. Jonathan Davis committing back to the Marlins on a minor league deal with an invitation to spring. At the time, when they made the decision to non-tender Jonathan Davis, remember, they did have that year of control. They decided not to exercise that. I did suggest at that time in the everydays, well, remember, it feels like a long time ago, but I've always been on JD, by the way. I thought it was a, a stunning trade that Kim made at the time, an under-the-radar one, but a necessary one. The defense was sexy. He had a breakout you know, debut series in cause, if I remember correctly. After that, it wasn't amazing offensively, but the defense really, really did play like the eye test. It was really nice out there. And I think it it filled a perfect need for the Marlins at the time when Jazz was down, clearly. And he, it felt like he really fitted into that, that clubhouse vibe, bought into it and enjoyed his time. And so when he was non-tendered, the sense I had was that the Marlins may look to try and bring him back. He'd likely see if there was maybe some major league deals to be had. Clearly, there hasn't been. You know, he's a fringe guy. He's a really, he's a really roster fringe dude. Um, that's been his career. He was in AAA when when Kim traded for him from the Tigers. You know, he's a minor league dude that adds adds depth. And for the Marlins, considering the player he's backing up and adding depth to, I mean, I spoke about on the last episode how I expect Jazz Chisholm to play over 150 games. So. This may be an insurance policy that is not necessary. However, considering Jazz's history, this is a, a prudent move by the Marlins to get Jonathan Davis back into the organization because they know what they're getting at this point. Defensively, personality-wise, clubhouse-wise, the stick can play a little bit. You're not going to be blown away by the stick. But with that center field defense, which is, which is above average, you know that's exactly what what they're going to need at that position. But that's the upside that Jazz brings you, right? He brings you that defense plus the sexy stick. That's why I'm so high on him, clearly. But for me, I absolutely love this move. Love this move. The only other wrinkle here, and I just want to throw this out there. Well, the question is, is what, what could his role be? And I think if all is well and the, the offseason, we'll wait to see how it all plays out. But let's assume... The plan for JD is to start in AAA and just be ready. Be ready to rock and roll when if. When if. And that, that should be the role. The interesting part here is now you then have a center field glove that you absolutely trust and a stick that's a bit below average, clearly, but you know you can make it work. The question then is if things don't go the way in, in spring training or the rest of the offseason, 
what's the percentage chance that maybe the Marlins will divert again? They've done it once. They did it last offseason. They couldn't get their center fielder in. Jazz put his hand up and said, I can do it. I'll learn it and I'll do it. And he did. What's the betting now that Jazz goes and knocks back on Skip Schumacher's door and says, Skip, listen, brother. I did what I had to do last year. You've got to send a fielder in. You now have a needed shortstop. And I'm just going to put my hand up and say, listen, Skip, I can do it. <laughs> I mean, it could come really full circle here. And it honestly wouldn't shock me. It honestly wouldn't. It's clear that the Marlins are engaging in trade conversations around one of their starting pitches, all of their starting pitches, but the likelihood is they maybe make one deal. And you have to assume at this point, considering everything in terms of 40-man, big league roster, organizational depth, you have to assume they're going to be targeting a big league-ready shortstop in any kind of deal. Every time I'm looking at trade options, I'm considering how can we acquire this shortstop? If they can't get it done, and it's possible they won't, then not only does Jonathan Davis provide an insurance policy for Jazz Chisholm Jr. at center field, but this also provides an insurance policy for the Marlins to fill that shortstop vacancy that either they can't trade for, they're not going to, there's no free agents. So either they can't acquire via trade or Xavier Edwards, Jacob Amaya, anyone else, Vidal Bruhan, all of these guys, they're given an opportunity in spring and they all flame. And they think, no, this isn't sustainable. We're going to go with Jazz at short. I mean, it would be bold. It would be really bold, particularly. Like, you know, let's, let's remember last spring, Jazz in center field, no messing. No other roles, no, like, keeping the eye in, 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 in the infield. No, it was just straight up in center field. And so, really, I feel like the Marlins need to make this decision as early as possible if, indeed, they want Jazz to transition back to, to shortstop. Clearly, it's been his position growing up. And so the transitionary period should be shorter. And I'm sure that he's kind of kept his eyes sharp, et cetera, et cetera. There's less learning for him to do in some ways versus transitioning. But, you know, I don't think that is what's going to happen. I feel like Skip likes Jazz in center field. I feel like Jazz is happy in center field. But what I do know is that the Marlins still need a shortstop. Potentially, they're seeking one. If it doesn't work, Jonathan Davis, the center field, and Jazz Chisholm Jr., the shortstop, could be a route forward. We'll wait to see. Um, let's get into the first ad. Then we're going to continue the conversation talking around arbitration deadlines and who could be extended. Jazz Chisholm Jr., for one of them, is arbitration eligible? Could he be extended at this point? I think not. But there's a few guys that could be, um, for sure. But this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. And we'll get the sexy graphics pumped up. Yes, sir. And guys, the NFL regular season is wrapped up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150, $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Can't read on a Monday. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is super easy to use. So many different ways to bet. They are including live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, and also you've got the Parlay Hub, 
the best way to find popular parlays. That's my favorite. I am all in on the parlay hub. I need to work out what this would be called in in England because we call parlays accumulators. So what is it going to be? Going to be the accumulator zone instead of the parlay hub? I don't know. Anyway, they got many more as well. Little deviation away on the script there. Nevertheless, so visit fanduel.com slash locked on. Reminder on that one is fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, back here with me, Peter Pratt, on Monday, the 8th of Jan. We have an emergency podcast. The Marlins have signed someone. Still no major league deals given out, but a minor league deal inked with former and now returning Marlin favorite, Jonathan Davis. I think he is most likely an insurance policy for Jazz Chisholm Jr., one the Marlins are familiar with, so this makes a ton of sense. However, I also think this is an insurance policy if the Marlins can't find a shortstop and maybe Jazz can transition back there. I have got a new tracker going. It's the Jazz Chisholm at shortstop percentage tracker. Right now, I have him as the opening day shortstop pegged in at 31% on the tracker. feel like that could be a bit high, actually, thinking about it. Like, He's probably less than 20%, isn't he? Let me know what you think. Um, Let's talk about the upcoming situation here. There's a deadline looming, and nothing creates action like a deadline. Trust me, my ADHD wife will testify to that to a T. If there's a deadline, it's happening. If there's no deadline, nothing's happening. Maybe it feels like this offseason is is ADHD. I don't know. But nevertheless, there is a deadline coming up on Friday, uh, which is where... The time elapses for contract extensions, contract negotiations regarding arbitration-eligible players. Marlins have a sizable class, no doubt. There's a lot of work for Peter Bendix and the front office to be doing this week. There really is. A lot of names, a lot of money. The Marlins will be absolutely trying their best to squeeze these guys as low as possible with so many arbitration guys They are going to be fighting tooth and nail for everything. Just want to talk about arbitration first, by the way, guys, and this whole process. I absolutely hate this process. And I I hope that the majority of guys reach an agreement in advance of having to go into the actual arbitration hearing. I would much prefer a situation where there's this type of you know arbitration negotiation da 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 i just wish there was more of a, a formulaic approach to this where it it's just okay you earn this this amount of war accrued or this amount of something just finding a way to take away all of the the hard negotiation around it with then the end goal if they can't seek an agreement to be go and negotiate and basically slander the other party to minimize the amount you have to pay them it really grates on me, that approach. It feels archaic, to be honest. And I, don't, I just don't feel it's conducive to a long-term relationship. Like, you've got at least three arbitration hearings, maybe four. And to have to maybe go through four arbitration hearings with a single player where you lambast them for an error here, a strikeout there. You say they're the worst second baseman you've ever seen. Can't field, no knees all because you want to save $500,000. It doesn't make a ton of sense in the grand scheme, and it's something I really dislike about Major League Baseball and the way it goes about things financially. But 
it is what it is. So we have to roll with it. Maybe some players embrace it. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to know, like from a player's perspective, do they relish arbitration? I guess in reality, they're all getting a, they're getting a pay rise and most of them are sizable pay rise. So actually, you know, maybe they relish this situation. Don't know. Someone that does know, let me know. <laughs> maybe I'm just completely going off on a wrong tangent here. Maybe the players love this. They want to get in the room. They want to negotiate for everything. Nevertheless, the Marlins have a ton of players in arbitration. The question at this point, this next couple of days is, how many of them do they reach an agreement with? Equally, how many of them maybe enter into a longer term, not just a 24 agreement? Let's think back to last season and John Birdie, for example, where the Marlins ended up reaching a uh, you know an arbitration agreement. Plus, there was also the team option number as well. So the Marlins agreed 23 and fixed their cost, if indeed they wanted to, for 24. I think it's about three and a half million, which ended up being like for John Birdie, like super util. Like we saw the number that IKF went for, and John Birdie's probably more valuable than him, if not equal to. He's more than like double the number for John Birdie. And so the Marlins played that well, played it well. And that's the interesting part. That's where my head's at with this one, where this, this presents opportunity for the Marlins because clearly they have budget constraints. Clearly they've got, they've got challenges because they've got expensive dudes in Sandy. They've got expensive dead money in some ways without, it's unfair to say it's dead money. Avi may prove us all wrong, but Sandy's expensive. Avi's expensive. Josh Bell's expensive. Luis Arise is getting more expensive. Jesus Lazaro is going to continue to get more expensive. Like those five guys, I know Josh Bell's expiring deal, but those five guys, it's pretty much your whole budget. So this creates opportunity for the Marlins to try to fix their future costs in some way, whilst the player gets a little bit more certainty and et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is an interesting situation. It really is. For maybe like a guy, like when I think about the biggest opportunities here, are the guys like in maybe Arb One that, you know, are happy to get this bump now, the Arb One bump, but equally, can the Marlins get creative with like Arb Two, Three, and even Four? The player I'm really thinking about on that from that perspective is Jesus Sanchez, for example, who is in arbitration for the first year. He was a DFA candidate at the start of last season. He ended up emerging and creating a role for himself. I'm very intrigued to see what his role looks like moving forwards. But, you know, if the Marlins believe in him, if Peter Bendix believes in Jesus Sanchez, for me, he's like the perfect guy in some ways to try to get a really kind of team-friendly multi-year extension. Because for me, it's not totally out of the equation that Jesus Sanchez just at some point catches fire, goes bananas, catches fire and has like a all-star level season. It may not be this year. It could be next. Who knows? Feels like he's improving. And there's a lot in his game to like in terms of the power potential. It's absolutely there. And I feel like minor adjustments that can click, Jesus Sanchez can absolutely set the world on fire. Just imagine if the Marlins have locked them up, though, and got a real team friendly. Because Jesus Sanchez, he has that in his mind, the, the nagging doubt of, am I going to see it all the way through four years of arbitration? You know, I've got no minor league option years. 
if I have a little dip, what's going to happen? For me, that's the type of vulnerability that creates opportunity for a club like the Marlins. And there was me just lambasting the arbitration process. <laughs> but the process is there. And the risk is real for Jesus Sanchez, in my opinion. So if the Marlins believe in him, he definitely is one that I think could be a really intriguing multi-year extension guy at kind of what feels like team-friendly, but a little bit of risk for the Marlins, clearly. But overall, would probably be seen as team-friendly if he actually grows into that contract. A few more guys I wanted to touch on uh, today. Want to talk about Luis Arias, for sure. Want to talk about Jesus Lozado here as well. Want to talk about Trevor Rogers also. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we'll talk about our second ad of the day. Yes, we're on a two-ad two ad run this week. It's great to see. Um, and guys, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. But can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics uh, right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. Trust me, I had the flu and it was tough, no doubt. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if one, one of your kids got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, uh, respiratory infections, almost botched that one, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. Sounds glorious, by the way. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to prepare than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the code locked on to get 20 bucks off your order. Hard-hitting ads here on uh, Locked on Marlins, and welcome back <laughs> Monday, the 8th of Jan, with me, Peter Pratt. We are finishing up here talking about arbitration-eligible guys and the deadline approaching on Friday, a potential multi-year extensions. Jesus Sanchez, a sneaky under-the-radar guy that the Marlins could buy low on in some ways, if indeed they believe. <laughs> it's we'll wait and see wait and see if they do one other guy that they should at all times be considering and a, a multi-year extension is jazz chisholm jr i don't think they will ever get that done i don't think jazz and the marlins will ever reach a multi-year extension at any point i think jazz chisholm jr will forever bet on himself and will feel undervalued no matter what the number is um, that is put forward by the Marlins. I think that I'd be surprised. I mean, I'm going off on, off topic here, but I'd be surprised if Jazz ends up moving into free agency um, with the Marlins, whenever that is, a couple of years away, three seasons away. Wait and see. Right, who else do we want need to talk about? I want to talk about Lewis Arias because for me, I personally think that Luis Arias is exactly the guy that needs to be extended and needs to be extended now. The reason being, I feel like with Arias that the Marlins can help themselves in the short term if they indeed need it. And I think this comes down to it. It's like how much budgetary pressure are they facing into? 
How creative do they need to get financially? And equally, do they want to try and do something creative now with Lewis Arise or the other guys to minimize some of the payroll, to maybe free up payroll to do something else, i.e. bring someone in, a DH potentially? Seen uh, Teosca Hernandez to the Dodgers. Surprise, surprise. Dodgers are having one hell of an offseason. Uh, sounds like Hoy Soler to the Red Sox is really heating up. But as we see with these things, these things heat up because Hoy Soler, does he want to go to Boston? I don't get that vibe. I don't get that vibe, but he's letting other teams know the Red Sox are in on me. <laughs> Sources say Hoy Soler and the Red Sox is heating up. It's heating up and it's in the press and it's got the sources because Hoy Soler wants there to be sources. He doesn't want to go to Boston. He doesn't. He wants to go back to Miami. He's always wearing his Marlins gear. Forever wearing every Instagram thing you see. I mean, I'm not on Instagram, but every time I see a clip from Instagram that's on Twitter, he's in Marlins gear. Anyway, I'm going off on another tangent. Luis Arias, can you get creative now? Can you buy out the two Arbiers at a lower value, which helps with some of the challenges they're seeing with the Abbey dead money, et cetera, et cetera. Can you get this done? but add in a couple more years. Me and Sean spent a ton of time talking about this a few weeks ago. We think the numbers may be higher than maybe some anticipate. If indeed it isn't, this should be a buying opportunity and a win for the Marlins, not just for the short term, but for the long term. They've done all the hard work with the Ryers. They have found a guy that is absolutely legit. The skill set will not decline. Arias will forever be who he is. And what he is is sensational of what he does. He's the best in the business of what he does. The Marlins have found one. Let's extend him. Let's extend him now. And the, the interesting part is like, I do like his skill set is really unique, but his value with the Marlins is like super high at this point. I'm, I don't think his value, he carries as much value elsewhere, but for the Marlins, his value is high. And I think he should absolutely be someone they look to extend immediately. And I, it wouldn't shock me if they get a deal done with Arias, an extension, a multi-year extension by Friday, before Friday. So let's see if it happens. Another guy I think we should keep our eyes on is Tanner Scott. Expiring deal this year. So, you know, again, do the Marlins want to pay six plus for a reliever right now? Mm, I'm not sure they do. Could they find a way to get into a multi-year deal with Tanner Scott? Considering the fluctuation, the career fluctuation that Tanner Scott has. Yes, he's at his peak now. But for Tanner Scott, what happens if things heavily regress? Which, let's be honest, Tanner Scott is most likely to regress from last year. He was unbelievable. Experience tells me, history tells me, that Tanner Scott is going to take quite a significant step backwards this season. So when he then goes into free agency, whether that is after leaving the Marlins or another organization, there's plenty of different directions that can go. But when he goes into free agency, What's the year going to look like before that? Does Tanner Scott want to lock something in now? Does he like it with Miami? He's grown significantly with the Marlins. Does he want to commit? Can the Marlins find a way to do a deal, maybe a, a three-year deal with Tanner Scott? Maybe spread the money, reduce the $6 million this year, potentially. Do they want to, do the Marlins want to do that again? I don't know. But for me, for Tanner Scott, he's in a really risky position. So. We'll wait and see. But I think the Marlins, again, have a buying opportunity linked to the 
fluctuation in performance from Tanner Scott. It has not been a straight line graph in terms of performance. It has been down, up, heavily down, down, bit up, down, and super up. He's right now at super up. Seems like a tough time to negotiate in some ways. At the same time, I think it could be a really good time to negotiate with Tanner Scott. Career year. He's just had his career year. Contract year this year. Does he basically turn his contract year into last year and then sign a three-year deal, you know, over 10 million across the three years, whatever that looks like with the Marlins? Feels like a fat dub for Tanner Scott. I'm also interested in Trevor Rogers. I'm interested just generally with Trevor Rogers. Spoke about him last week in the episode. I think he could have a you know, really, he's going to have an important role. The question is, is what's the performance like? But again, potentially another buy-low candidate. Like, I'm really interested to see how Peter Bendix approaches this situation with all of this arbitration class and what type of strategic approach do they take with these guys? Really interested. Run out of time, guys. I appreciate you joining me on Lockdown Marlins on Monday, the 8th of Jam. Jonathan Davis is back, baby. It's greatest insurance pop. Probably that's a little bit overselling it. Nevertheless, a great insurance policy for Jazz Chisholm Jr. at center field. And the history tells us the Marlins will need that policy. It also creates an opportunity to slide Jazz into shortstop if indeed the Marlins need an insurance policy at that position. Tons of activity coming this week. Extensions galore. Arbitration discussions galore. There's a lot going on. Make sure you tune in to Locked on Marlins all week. Be back tomorrow. See you then.